This is Aria Jordan with the National Center for Youth Opportunity and Justice, or NCYLJ, operated by Policy Reaches Associates. This episode titled Law Enforcement Engagement is a part of our School Responder Model podcast series. Today, we will be discussing positive relationships between school and law enforcement officials. We are joined by Dr. Jeff Vanderblog and Gina Bracey from the Child Health and Development Institute of Connecticut, as well as Angela Powell-Medlock and Yatia Whitaker from a high school in Michigan implementing the school responder model. Welcome, everyone. Hello, my name is Gina Bracey. I'm with the Child Health and Development Institute, and here together with Jeff Vanderplug, also of the Child Health and Development Institute, talking today about the law enforcement engagement component of the school responder model. So the school responder model, or SRM, is an alternative process designed to divert youth from exclusionary school discipline in the form of suspensions, expulsions, and arrests for school-based behavior incidents, particularly in incidents where the student's needs would be best met through mental or behavioral health intervention, treatment, and restorative practices. So the National Center for Youth Opportunity and Justice, or NCYOJ, defines the SRM as being comprised of four primary components, cross-system collaboration, family and youth engagement, behavioral health response and implementation, and policies and formal structures. So again, today our focus is on the cross-systems collaboration component, specifically the partnership between schools and law enforcement officials. And we have two guests here today from Pontiac High School in Pontiac, Michigan, who will share their lessons learned through their experiences implementing SRM. So I'm pleased to welcome Ms. Angela Powell-Medlock, at the at-risk social worker for seven years at Pontiac High School, and also, also Officer Utia Whitaker, the police authority's supervisor, um, who's been in the, that role for 13 years, and both are originally from Pontiac. So it's great to welcome both of you. So I'm going to start with a question for Angela. Um, let's start with some context about the Pontiac, Michigan community and the high school. If you can just tell us about your students, your staff, your community, and how the decision was made for the school to participate in developing a school responder model. Thank you. Yes. So Pontiac High School is actually a merge now. We used to have two main high schools. And I think back in 2009, it became one Pontiac High School. But the city of Pontiac is a grassroots city. So the high school still has generations of parents that actually went through these halls. And so from the staff here to the students, to the parents, it's a grassroots. Most of us or or many of us have been here as a student in the city. So the school was picked also because we have a lot of resources. And one of them was because we have a community-based clinic in the school. It's in the school, but it's community-based for up to age 21. It's called Honors Health Center. We already had that. And then we had the presence of the police authority officers that was already embedded in the school system. Then you had my position, the at-risk social worker and a behavior intervention specialist. So all of us together made a good team, I think, and a good fit for the NIJ process. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's helpful context. I want to switch now to a question for Officer Whitaker. Um, And Particularly from your perspective, why is law enforcement participation in the SRM needed? What gaps does that fill? And if you can also clarify, you mentioned your role as police authority officer, and how does that uh, compare to a school resource officer or police officer? Yes, um, we actually started back in um, 2008 
for the police authority officer. It was so much going on um, with gangs and um, fights. And I guess they figured out that they needed some, you know, policing and us that knew the kids would come in and try to diffuse situation to get to know them, to understand them, to see where they're coming from, to try to help minimize all the things that were going on in the school, like out as of outside. So um, it actually works for us. We did a lot of changing with the kids. We started mentoring them, helping them, minimizing all the fights and big fights we used to have. So we minimized the arrest because we started out with a lot of arrests when we first started, um, arresting kids, arresting parents. Um, we had to come to a solution to where we were here to help, not here to just give them a criminal record per se. Thank you so much. I love that that shift in thinking that you're talking about in terms of going from that really punitive perspective to really thinking about how can we be a support and how can we be helpful. Um, that's certainly the the process that we like to take with the school responder model. And, and it's great that you're here to talk more about your experiences doing that. I'm going to turn it over to Jeff now, who's uh, going to ask some additional questions as well. Thanks, Gina. And I just want to join Gina in welcoming her two guests and um, turn it back to Angela for a question. So when you first got started, Angela, with the SRM approach, um, one of the ways that the SRM is put into action um, is through a flowchart. And that flowchart would define a target population of students for intervention and also identify steps in a decision-making process that would connect them with services. So the question for you is just tell us a little bit about that process. How does it work? How does the SRM work in Pontiac? I want to back up a little bit because I neglected to mention, I just think it's important for me to mention the diversity that this school has. Uh, we do have a dominant culture, which is African-American, and then we have Hispanic population here, a huge Hispanic population, at least, a, what, a quarter or so of our population is Hispanic. And then we had a large Asian-American population. I just wanted to bring that in because when you talk about the police authority officer presence and then the whole system presence, the cultures play a big factor in how we can get that to work together in the district. So back to your question, Jeff, sorry about that. So we have a flow chart, which starts with our behavior intervention specialist. And every student is captured under this. There's no one particular demographic of students. So it's not necessarily that they've gotten in trouble, that they're labeled bad or on their way to prison. It's just any student that has some sort of need. So our flow chart starts with a referral from any staff, parent, another student, and it's an actual Google referral form now, but back when we started, it was just my good old uh, Word document form. And they can make a referral from anywhere that the student isn't coming to class or the student seems disconnected in class. And then from that referral, the behavioral interventionist specialist or myself, the at-risk uh, social worker, would get involved. We would look at it, kind of assess what direction we need to go. And then I use a screening that, if it comes to me, I use a screening that gives me a category of what I'm looking at. So whether it's anger, depression, suicide, home concerns, substance use, any of those things, and then I get into action from there. So on the flow chart, it'll start with a referral, 
then it'll, um, depending on which route we're looking at, we will make those interventions or go. So the behavior interventionist will work on her role with the students, if that's it. And then if it needs to progress outside of just the more behavioral thing supports, then it'll come to me. And then, as I mentioned, we have a school-based system here, Honors Health, which includes medical and mental health supports in there. We refer to that system first before we go outsourcing. And that system is a very embedded in this in the school as well. So they will also make referrals outside if they need to make those referrals. We try to keep it manageable before it has to go to an administrative level and to the police authority level so that we don't have to get any students, you know, put in an outside program, particularly the juvenile system. That's a really helpful overview. Uh, I have a follow-up question for you, though, and it has to do with students that may or may not screen positive for a mental health concern. So you mentioned that in your process, you administer a screening instrument. Uh, What happens if a student doesn't screen positive for a mental health condition? Does the process or flowchart change at all for that student? Not at all. So that's the beauty of the diversity of the system and the flexibility of the system. So if they don't screen positive for mental health particularly, I still work with them. The behavior interventionist still works with them. And in all honesty, we have such loving staff that we take, again, if you go back to my comment about us being grassroots, we take these students as our own and we start wrapping around, which is how Officer Whitaker and I joined forces, is she would notice a student that kind of fell through the cracks, if you will, that student that didn't screen positive, and ask, would I still work with them or can we still do something? So our SRM system is actually geared that you don't have to screen positive. If we know there's something there, we're going to work with you just to make you the healthiest being that we can. That's a that's also really great to hear. It's it's your approach to the SRM is that really any student who's at risk of experiencing a exclusionary discipline, so an expulsion, a suspension, or an arrest, is impacted by this SRM. So um, and some kids get referred to mental health services if they need it, but others get referred to other areas that address whatever their underlying needs are. So you mentioned. Um, a really strong relationship with Officer Whitaker, which is just, I think, a really unique and exciting feature of your SRM in Pontiac. So Officer Whitaker, you started to talk about this in your earlier comments where you talked about how you had to change your role within the school a bit or those of other officers who were present in the school. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you view your role within the SRM? Um. I'm actually, you know, to me, I wouldn't want nobody to do my child any other way. So I had to think about that and learn that, you know, if it was my child, I would want somebody to help my child to whatever it may be. I may be having a, he may or she may be having a bad day or there's something that I may have missed as a parent. So when a kid comes in and, you know, in the beginning I had to learn, you know, the the kids and their attitudes and you know, I'm thinking they just coming in being mean, but I don't know what was going on at home. And they just could have woke up having a bad day and, and they could have been angry. So me being angry at them because they angry at me, I had to 
think about it and stop and say, hey, they may just have, a, you know, I might have to go to the kid and say, okay, I'm sorry. Miss T was having a bad day or, you know, or were you having a bad day? They was like, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't have a good night. So I had to learn how to connect with them and, you know, be that parent when they get here and talk to them. You know, I'm your auntie, your cousin, your mother, whoever you wanted me to be, I had to learn how to be that way. And if I seen a kid was a little off because I try to pay attention, then I would go to Miss Angela and say, okay, something's wrong. I, you know, I just didn't like the way they came in this morning or the way they talked or, you know, the interaction between me and them. And I would take it to her and say, well, can you talk to them and see what it is? Or am I missing it? Or am I seeing the same thing you seeing? And that's how we became close because I would take the kid because I knew she was the social worker that may see something I didn't see. And that's how we became one. That's, that's great. You're working together as a team, which is so important. And that level of collaboration is really just so inherent to the SRM approach. It's a really nice illustration of how, how it can work. Tell me a little bit about relationship building with students. So one of the principles of SRM, it may not be something that ends up being written about or part of a decision-making flowchart, but I think what helps make an SRM go really well is when people are building those relationships with students before something goes wrong. Tell us about ways that you build relationships with students so that when something does happen, you know, you have a different level or ability to connect with that student because you've invested. How do you build those relationships? Um, you have to get them to trust you and to get to know you, to understand that you're not here to suspend them, arrest them, or give them a charge. You got to let them be comfortable with you. Sit down and conversate and say, hey, look, listen, I'm here to help. You know, whatever you need me to do, if, if, explain to me what it is that you want me to do and how can I help you graduate or how can I help you pass a class. Just try to earn their trust because as being security, they think we're the bad guy. But you have to reassure them that you're not the bad guys. But if you do something wrong, yes, I have to deal with you and punish you, but I'm still going to love you and be there for you in the end. So clearly you, Officer Whitaker and Angela, are what we would call SRM champions, <laughs> right? So and everything you just said really reinforces that. But how have, have you seen other people in the building change as a result of your work with the SRM? Yes, yes, yes. We, you know, sometimes teachers see kids a different way and may not know what's going on at home. But if you go to that teacher and they put a kid out and you'll go to him and say, hey, I say, look, this is what's going on at home. They're really not upset with you. They just need a little help and understanding. It has nothing to do with you. And I know they acted out in your class, but this is the issue. And then the teacher go, oh, and they go, okay. And then they learn how to deal with that student on that level. And then sometimes when they see us deal with them a certain way, then they, they catch on and then they start dealing with them the same way we deal with them, which works out. And it sounds like it's not a matter of sitting in a training. It's um, just seeing an example of a new way of interacting with a student and, and seeing it work. If, and if it's effective, other people want to get on board. Is that right? Yes. Yes. All right, Gina, I'll turn it over to you. 
Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to follow that thread a little bit more. Um, it, it, it has become clear that it's not just a work role or responsibility for both of you, that it's really your personal mission, I think, as community members and being part of the, the Pontiac community, that you bring that perspective to your role and are uh, so passionate about that. I love how you talked, Officer Whitaker, about sort of how can I help you and not seeing security as the bad guys, but seeing you as in your role as security, but also as helpers. And I, I'd like to um, hear from both of you, how, how do you feel those positive relationships and particularly the law enforcement engagement component also in, within the community has helped to facilitate that success? Do you have any success stories or examples of positive relationships that you could share with in terms of how you've engaged with other community partners or with families? And maybe Officer Whitaker will start with you again, and then we'll also like to hear from Angela. Yes, um, I have had a few positive with the community and the relationship with parents. In the beginning, like I said, as me being a security, they thought we were the bad guys and that we were always out to suspend their kids or give them the charge. But then when you go above and beyond and try not to kick them out, you know, and give them a break and try to help them pass a class or go to class. Or sometimes I'll call a parent and say, hey, such and such won't go to class. Can you talk to them instead of me suspending them or me on them all the time when a parent's not here? And I had a few parents and kids that are graduating that will come. I see them now and they go, thank you. If it wasn't for you, they would have never made it. You kept them out of trouble. You kept them in school. They just talk about you all the time. That makes me feel good when I see kids and I got young men I see and say, Miss T, you told me. If I would have listened to you, I wouldn't, you know, I appreciate you being on me all the time and keeping me out of trouble and trying to teach me about the real world. And that 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 warms your heart. I love that. That's great. Angela, is there anything you would like to share on that as well in terms of specific examples or ways that in your role as the social worker has been able to generate community connections and, and connections with families. Definitely. And I'm smiling like big and bright because I don't want to do the piggyback off of um, Officer Whitaker, but she's absolutely right in that regard. One of my biggest ways that that unity and union was shown is, I think it was a year ago or a year and a half ago, um, our superintendent got the education on ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and it was her aha moment. So she brought it to our school, made us do a, a staff meeting and gave her rendition of it. And then my community partners that are actually trained to do the ACEs, they got wind of it. And while they appreciated it happened, they were alarmed because whoever alerted them in the building knew that it wasn't carried out the, in the appropriate way. So that information was put out there as if it was like an intervention. And so they rallied around. Of course, I got a call. I got this brass call from one of my community partners saying, how could I let that happen? And she was venting. And she said, I know you didn't do it, but we got to get this the right way now that it's out there. So within, I think maybe two or three months, Utia, you can correct me. But within that, we had a whole resilience conference in my high school. We had community partners that came in to volunteer their time to do sessions and breakout sessions with the school. And um, from there, we also have the ACES champions, and uh, Jeff used that terminology, 
And Officer Whitaker is now a trainer of ACES. So we're bringing in every and anybody that we can. We have the faith base. We have parents that we're bringing on board. We have, like I said, the authority, police authority officers that we're bringing on board as far as um, this system, you know, this SRM system. And I think I mentioned it to you guys before off the record that nobody really knows it's a system. Uh, the way a Whitaker and I move, it works. So they don't know the name. If you came to anybody in here and said, oh, how's the SRM system working for you? They who have, would have no clue what you're talking about. But if you broke it down, like how's the relationship with the police authority officer and your ancillary staff working to help with the education system, they'll absolutely know what you're talking about. I love that you talk about that as, as not necessarily a formalized system, although it is, it certainly is. You've built in that infrastructure and in the way that it's operating. Uh, but it's really an organic process, and that's so important for buy-in, for sustainability, for keeping this going, and having it built on a foundation of school, family, community partnerships is so critical. So I love those examples that you provided. That's that's really great information to share. Uh, I, I wanted to go a little bit in more detail with you, Angela, also. Um, I, another unique aspect of your school responder model is the the Phoenix Intervention Center, and uh, you also mentioned sort of how you bring in ACEs screening. You've talked with us before about the Maisie screening. You've talked about the role and relationship of, of Honors Health in the school-based health center. So it'd be great to, if you can tell the listeners a little bit more about how a student is referred to your Phoenix Intervention Center. How does a student make their way um, through these various points of screening and, and intervention and, and the settings that you have established in your SRM. Can you walk us through that a little bit more in terms of what that uh, relationship looks like? Yeah, so it's the same referral system. So the whoever, the referral source will fill out the form. We'll get it, the behavior intervention and, and myself, we both get it, we read it, we look through it that way. And just a small correction, we decided to relabel it Phoenix Center. We, we don't want, want the word intervention because we want to do prevention as well. So once we get that, we start working with the student in whatever capacity we see. So if it's determined that the student will stay with the behavior intervention specialist, then she'll work with them. She'll bring up a contract, short-term, long-term, whatever they need to work with them. She loops in teachers and whoever else needs to be looped in. And then if it's me who's working with them, so the BIS, which is a behavior intervention specialist, she will administer that Macy for me to look at and score it and everything, and we go from there. And so once we do that, you know, the student is well taken care of. Like I said, we bring in, we're trying to have a whole child. So there's times where if the student is on my level for more of the mental health things, we will bring in the family. I'll work with the family because we know that the home environment is a big, substantial portion of making this a, a healthy student, a healthy child. So we loop in the family and we do all of that. So the Phoenix Center now, it stands for them to be able to, say you just have a student having a bad day. We're setting it up now where that can be their break room. We'll give them 10 to 15 minutes to do quiet time or talk it out and work on it. And then we want to assess which direction should we go after the break? Are they able to go back to school? Do we need to do more interventions? Do we need them to go home for the rest of the day and meditate it out, think it out, process it however they need to do? We're going to build in prevention groups. So based on our common concerns that we have in the school, 
we're having groups. Um, and I say going, I have groups going, but we have a new BIS worker. So we'll have those groups that mix in those common threads, like basic student conflict, um, relationship concerns. We'll have groups built on that. We'll also build groups for the intervention piece based on the problems that come in a, a multiplicity sort of thing that are more common. So we have a group of students that are having conflicts and they're getting referred to the Phoenix Center. If we have several of those, we'll form a group so we can get all of those together and work that out. We also do use the restorative practice system as well. So that's what the Phoenix Center stands for is all of that. And it starts with that same referral process. And also like Whitaker commented on is we might see a student in the hallway and something just don't feel right in us. And we'll just talk to the student. How's your day? More than just the how are you and keep walking. You know, it's like, how are you doing today? What's up? You want to talk? Let's just go for a walk. We'll do that kind of thing. And that student can come through us that way. And it's kind of backwards. We'll still go on and do the referral just for documentation purposes. But sometimes we just walk around and observe and bring them in that way. So I want to talk with both of you about the T word, turnover. Because we know that turnover impacts all schools and affects all kinds of operations in a school, including NSRM. So uh, tell me about your experience with turnover at Pontiac and how it's impacted your, your SRM. So I got to say that T word is big. And it's actually, it's a fearful word for me because I am so rooted in the, in the district itself. I, I love the district. I love the school. And I know that any given moment, someone can leave and a whole system can fall apart. And we've seen that through this whole process with the SRM. And as much as I am the original from, what, five, six years back, everybody else that started on that team, except for Whitaker, is gone. So we look at it. We've talked. Whitaker and I have talked. I think I've talked to one of the um, principals about that turnover factor, too, because we need to get this stuff embedded in the DNA, whereas when someone else comes in, they just can pop right into the system and the flow of it. But our turnover with, it's, it's pretty high. I, I, I'm going to let Whitaker take over from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the turnover is pretty high. And But what I do is to try to keep it close-knit with me and Angela is every time I got a whole new crew of officers so I introduced them as soon as they got here to know who she was, what her role is. If you need help, you got a kid, you know, this is who you take it to. This is where we can get the help. I try to keep me from not having so much turnover. I try to keep the same flow. So I introduce her off rip to make sure that they know to keep us going, to keep that teamwork as one. So the two of you uh, being the champions and, and really being so rooted in the community really take on the mantle of ensuring that there's good transition and that the work continues anytime that there's turnover. I'm going to ask you a really tough question, though. What would happen, Officer Whitaker, if you were to leave? Do you, how do you think that would impact the SRM? And what do you think is in place to make sure to, that it continues if you were no longer at Pontiac? Wow. Um, if I'm no longer here, I hate to say it. I hate to toot my own, own horn. That's, I don't know, that's going to be hard to compete with. But why I'm here, 
um, and my officers are here, I am teaching them how to take over. So when I'm no longer here, they can step up and do the same thing I'm doing, no matter what. That's, a, that's great. And Angela, I have the same question for you. Uh, you've been such a key champion inside the school for this work. What do you think is in place if, if you were to leave? How would the work continue? Yep, that's where that fear comes in. Um, I try to have it in writing. It's it's there, and it's not just in my drive. Like it's there. It's shared with our administrators. We have what we call a multi-tiered systems and support coordinator. I make sure it's at that level, and that's more of the administrative level too. So our process is in writing. The flow chart is in writing. The fear is it's in writing. <laughs> so I need it to be like Whitaker does when people come in for the, for that person to be trained, for the principals to take the reign and make sure they love the system so much that when they get a new staff, that's the first thing they talk about is the system. Um, right now, you heard me mention we have a new behavior intervention and she didn't have all of these things because the one before her didn't have all these things. So the training piece is essential. So we we sat here today before this and I was going over some more things uh, for her to write down and to get started and to get going before the new year starts. But that that's just our fear, Jeff. And I said I'd like to leave a legacy, but it won't continue if someone else won't pick it up and continue it. Yeah, that's that's so true. So picking up on what you talked about, having things in writing is important. I think you you have to have it. But you also have to have structures in place like training. And then the third piece I would say that sometimes gets overlooked is how do you transfer your values to the people around you? And that's what I'm hearing you saying. It's really all three things. It's, it's having things in writing. It's having some structures in place. But it's also infusing a culture with your peers so that if you were to leave, that culture continues. Is that true? Yeah, I love that infusing your culture because that is what we say, the culture and climate. Yes, and I would like to know how to do that. We have so much to offer. We have communities and schools liaison here. Our, we're on our second one. The first one simply was so good that she became a manager. But I talked about that in an interview when we got the second one is that we like exactly what you said. We want for you to be invested in this community. And both of those ladies actually moved to the community, drove around the community, talked to community members to get to know it. I think that was coincidental. It's not like we opened up interviews for that value. So I don't know how to instill it except for what Whitaker was talking about, that modeling piece that we do. When you come in, we embrace you as an adult that will be working with our children. And hopefully that modeling goes and it'll get in all of our DNA so that when the next people come in, some other staff member will speak up. And we all know it can be annoying, but it's valuable for a person to say, well, that's not how we used to do it. So we want somebody to say, this is how we do it, as opposed to keeping it in the past tense. So I ha the next question that I have for the two of you, I'm going to start with Officer Whitaker as we... Um kind of think about everything that we've talked about today, and we have covered a lot of ground. Officer Whitaker, if you had to share three tips for police officers and schools to work together to support students and implement an SRM, what would your three tips be? 
Um, communication would be one. You got to have communication. You got to have relationship. You got to learn how to have the best relationship you can to teamwork as one and be on the same page. You got to be on the same page. You can't be on one page and they can't be on the other. You got to be as one. And Angela, same question for you. If you were advising a school or a school and, and law enforcement officer and working together to do this, what would your three tips be for implementing an SRM? So number one would be the communication piece. Teamwork for number two. Three, I'm going to throw in... Well, I'm going to throw in 1A, authenticity, that you really want to do this. You really want to be here. And then three would be action, meaning don't just say it, don't just see it to make sure it happens. Those are great tips. Thank you for sharing those. I think that would benefit a lot of people who are interested in doing this work. Yeah. Yes. So thank you both for sharing so much of your expertise and your experience and definitely some strong tips for how others can do this work and really infusing that that culture and that climate of uh, respect for each other, respect for the relationships and the roles, but also taking that whole child wellness approach that you've talked about to, to really working in the best interest of the children and families. So thank you so much for that. And as we bring this discussion to a close, I would love to hear more from both of you, but of course we have to bring it to a close. So I just want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else that you would like to share with the listeners. I would like to say um, for this type of system to work, you have to love what you're doing. You can't just be there for a paycheck. You can't be there because, oh, I like children and I want to help them. You, you really need to know what that means. When you get there, you have to become um, Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Again, one of my pet peeves is sitting around twiddling your thumbs, saying what should be going on when you could be doing it. So I would just say, if you don't know, find a road and work it to make it a successful road as a staff and not wait for somebody to tell you what to do. You go seek it out. You go to your boss. You go to other people. You talk. You get to know your teammates, and then you get into action. Yeah, I think um, Angela just said it all, but the one thing you have to care, the key word is you have to care. You got to care about the kids. I think that's a fantastic note to end on. It, it, it really is. It's about caring for the kids. And thank you again, both of you, for sharing how you infuse that into your work, how you infuse that into your roles at Pontiac High School. Um, thank you, Angela. Thank you, Officer Whitaker. It's been a pleasure to speak with both of you this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We want to thank you for listening to this very important conversation about the value of school partnerships with law enforcement in the SRM. Thank you to Jeff, Gina, Angela, and Yatia for such an engaging discussion on this important topic. To learn more about cross-system collaboration and partnerships in the school responder model, please visit the virtual toolbox at srm.policyresearchinc.org. Thank you again for listening.